0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Good Fight Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. Uh, so this uh, episode is going to be a little bit different than uh, our previous ones, and we are honored to uh, be able to talk with one of our uh, mutual good friends and um, get some of his input on some, on some things. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to uh, attend uh, the time that uh, Brian and, and our friend uh, met together, to record the podcast, um, but I'm here now. So, but Brian will tell you a little bit more about uh, kind of what they uh, were talking about.
1: Okay, yeah, it was it was very uh, very good. And this this person uh, is, is somebody that we both know and love and respect. And and uh, basically, what you're doing is listening into a conversation between him and me. And we we have a lot in common. And there were just some questions that that uh, I had come up with just to, to help us better understand each other, where we're coming from, and, uh, and all. So uh, in terms of Black History Month, that's what prompted us to address this at this point. We don't talk a whole lot about specific uh, heroes and, and notable features, but it's kind of laying a groundwork for, uh, for us, especially as, uh, as Christian believers, but also as, as freedom-loving Americans, to be able to go forth and really understand where the others are coming from so that we can march on uh, and um, as our founding documents put in, in ensure the blessings of Liberty to ourselves and our posterity. And uh, that's, that's something I think we can all get behind. So we'll take a quick break and, and uh, get right back with it. Okay. We're back, and uh, as we mentioned earlier, this is our uh, our Black History Month episode, and uh, it, it's uh, something that uh, Denver and I have, are excited to talk about. And uh, we're going to have our first guest today, and uh, I think it's really good. Uh, one of the things Denver and I had talked about that we were kinda, kind of kind uh, of scared for two two white guys to be here on a podcast talking about Black History Month. And uh, you know me being the white older guy, and Denver is especially pasty white because he's been in Utah for all winter. But <laughs> um, but anyway, our, our our first guest is somebody that I could really take a whole episode uh, talking about uh, how much he means to me and how much I think of him. But. Um, he uh, is somebody I've known for oh, 10 or twelve years as one of my choir parents and my brother in Christ and a fellow prayer warrior and we've traveled on choir trips together and had wonderful prayer times together and and uh, you know all, all four of his kids have been in the choir so I I, I can't think more highly. Uh, he's a retired police sergeant so uh, my dad and, uh, and my brother uh, are uh, were both retired uh, from law enforcement and so we we share a lot in common but I really would like to welcome as our first guest of the podcast, my dear friend and brother in Christ, Mr. Hal Webb.
2: Hello, everyone. And thank you, Brian, for the the luxurious uh, introduction. I really appreciate that. The only (laughs) person I want to make is that I've known you for seventeen years now. We're pushing the second decade okay. almost. Yeah, very
1: good. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad, and uh, and it, it's been a wonderful association, and we're Amen. we're really enjoying uh, being able to to continue that. So we're excited to have you today, and and the way this came about I, when when I approached Hal and we wanted to talk about Black History Month. Uh, I just sat down and wrote down some questions I would love to uh, just to, to to talk about. So basically, uh, you our listeners are just kind of listening in into a dialogue and between two brothers in Christ, um, and uh, just to try to to gain understanding and really to to address what. Uh, is a, an issue in the body of Christ and in the world in general. And one of the things Hal and I both talked about is that, uh, and I, I I was kind of afraid to even approach Hal because this kind of stuff had just never been part of our dialogue uh, all along, just because it seemed uh, just really unnecessary that we related together as fellow fathers and brothers in Christ. But, Indeed. but um, anyway, we'll just try to d- dig into these questions and, uh, and see where we go from there. So, uh, first of all hal, it's just one of the ones I want to get out of the way and I sincerely um, uh, I, I sincerely want to know that uh, you know your your skin is a different color than my skin and uh, and so uh, that that distinction is something that uh, is is pretty obvious to anybody that, that, uh, that can see, but I'm just wondering from, from your perspective, how do you feel about the different ways of describing that? I mean, there's black and colored and African-American and, and lots of things like that. And, uh, I just want to do, is there a personal preference for you? Or are there any, any things that we should avoid? Or I'm just kind of wondering, uh, what are we, what are your feelings about that personally?
2: Okay. That's an interesting question. It's a question that's not uh, often asked or even responded to. Um, my feeling is has changed over the years. You asked about black, you asked about African American, you asked about color. Those terminologies kind of have taken new meaning and shape throughout time, but my feeling about them also has changed over time. If you ask me today what would be your preference of, of uh, what you'd like to be called, I'd like to be probably um, looked upon as being black. You see me as, as being black as the designator versus African-American or even uh, the other color uh, for for a couple of reasons. Um, Black is kind of not just a common everyday um, type of terminology used, but it's something that's more identifiable to me personally at this stage in life than African-American. I know the term African-American and Black-American are kind of used kind of synonymously. They use both of those referring to the same group of people. Uh, But if I had a choosing, I would choose probably uh, Black-American or Black over uh, African-American. And none would be offensive to me. Uh, colored Negro kind of have a different overtone, but these two, either one of those would be fine with me. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, and those are the 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 last two you mentioned are kind of uh, kind of passe these days, and and which is probably for for good reason. And by the way, I I just wanted to point out, uh, you know, by by no means I, I'm glad we're just having this conversation as brothers, and and I know that uh, you know you don't speak for everybody, you know all thank you uh, all blacks and black people, and yet I I, I would imagine that uh, your how you feel would be representative of a certain segment of the... The, uh, of the of the black population, and so uh, I think that's good to to understand and and realize. So thank you for that. And so I'll I'll kind of try to go towards that direction as we talk together uh, here, just be- because of what you said. Thank you. Um, just an- another question is that uh, just about Black History Month? As I, you know, as as a teacher, I really try to acknowledge that and to uh, try to 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 point out the wonderful achievements of of uh, of black people and the the contributions uh, to to society to our country really from the very beginning and before we were uh, identified as the United States, mm-hmm. uh, and so but but just as I've seen posts on Facebook, I've seen some that really seem appreciative from from these are from from black people about appreciative and you know, I'm glad it's Black History Month and that we can talk about this. But I've also seen some some uh, some ones that have been kind of cynical like, oh, brother, you know, here we are just kind of, you know, doing, do, giving a nod or throwing a bone or or something like that. So I'm just wondering, what what are some of your um, opinions about the value of Black history? Month Does that have meaning to you personally, or do you think there's value in it at this point?
2: Oh, that, that is for certain. And Brian, i just like to just segue for a quick second. And thank you for saying that. I speak kind of maybe in broad generalizations. A lot of what I say may represent a good amount of people, but not necessarily everyone. So thank you for Bringing that forth there that I can't say that I necessarily speak for everyone, but I certainly can speak for myself. Black History Month, that's a personal thing for me. It's kind of ingrained and entrenched in me, the Black History Month. And it started as a child, having grown up in L.A. and going to L.A. Unified School District. Black History Month was something that was really spotlighted, something they really put a whole lot of emphasis on in the school that I attended. Uh, So to me, I think it still holds that same kind of uh, representation of, of history, of knowledge, of information, of contribution that it held then. Uh, and the other part of the question you asked was about some seat as being passe. I think that's a, that's a dangerous ground to be on passe, where we no longer acknowledge or bring to mind all the things that have been done and contributions that have been made by black. Uh, part of my experience having grown up, too, was very intensive, meaning the Negro uh, National Anthem, I know it. All verses, four or five, how many verses there are, still to this day I know because I learned it and it was so entrenched so young in life. And the black contributors that made contributions, and not just the names like the Martin Luther Kings and folks that we know about, but throughout history, as you said, um, blacks have made great contributions on the technological side, on the educational side, on the academic side. Um, Sometimes it's been overlooked. And I think if we just downplay it, that could get lost in time, especially with with the young culture of people today, that, that, that could get lost and mixed somewhere.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, I think that's very helpful, and and I know just part of my whole journey and in, in general in my life is just really trying to listen to people, mm-hmm. even even people who might disagree with me on things, just to to find out where they're coming from, and you know before I try to start asserting things, mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to really listen. And I know that uh, in in choir we did that song, uh, "Lift Every Voice and Sing," yes, uh, which is it's known by some as the Black National Anthem, but uh, but I, I could tell how much that meant to people. Mm-hmm. And and it became to mean to it, it came to mean a lot to me, too, to be able to uh, help facilitate that way of expressing and be able to describe, especially when you look at the 1920s and the atmosphere that that was written in. Yeah. Um, so it, it meant a lot to me. So yeah. that's great. Well, we're off to a good start. Yeah, and I sure hope Black History Month is something that, that remains a mainstay
2: in America, you know, uh, good and passed down in that way too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good. And I know just even, you know, I'm not a teacher anymore in public schools, but, uh, going on, uh, I'd love to try to kind of spread that out and not just make it something that I haul out every year by obligation, but to try to, to, uh, to incorporate that all, all throughout the year, uh, and and use the information that we gain there to be able to do that. All right. We're going to wrap this uh, segment up and we'll be back in just a second.
0: And we're back. And uh, as usual, we like to do our lightning round. So we're going to go ahead and do that. Brian and I both have two topics that we'll kind of uh, share our thoughts on a little bit. And mine is um, uh, well, it's about COVID, but um, within some of the more democratic states, I've been noticing there's a trend uh, of lifting some mandates that they've had in place. And the headline that I just recently read. That California is um, now going with the endemic approach. Well, we should have been trying to end the pandemic when it started, but uh, just kind of playing politics, it seems, with people's freedoms. Um, And now, as the uh, as the midterms are coming up upon us, it's um, sort of a coincidence that some of these mandates are um, not uh, continuing, and they're taking those away, and so. I mean, that's great. We like that. That's what should be going on. People should have uh, their freedoms not mandated by the government. Um, but I would just uh, mention to put it out there that um, this may paint a better picture of these politicians uh, in the media. And I could pretty much guarantee that it will paint a better picture uh, of them in the media. However, we just have to understand what they did put us through. Uh, what freedoms they did take away, and the executive power that they seem to have that they don't. Um, And I'm not only talking uh, within the the state governors, but I mean, mayors even, and uh, the executive branch of government, uh, the federal government. So there's just so many different layers to it. And I would just kind of advise everybody to be on the lookout uh, for these mandates that are falling. And just keep in mind that you know, there's a good chance that once midterms are past us, the these very well might go back into effect.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I, I really like the fact that uh, in just that that I think it's a wrong response just to uh, say, oh, thank you for listing those mass mandates. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And where it was an overreach and a misuse of their power to put those in place in the first place and the vaccine mandates. And, and that, uh, that we need to really yeah. push the idea that uh, that, that is, is beyond the scope of their power. Uh, and that kind of touches on what my lightning round thing is going to be in a second. But it's beyond the scope of their power and that in the future that these are inappropriate things that we need to learn how to reject sooner. And that we need to really have a dialogue about the relationship between freedom and safety, and freedom is something that we can really help secure for people, basically without us being stupid. Our safety is in God's hands, and that uh, that you know, freedom by its own nature is is, is some ways unsafe, but it, it's so much better when people are free and not under the thumb of uh, you know, what is based. Basically, been uh, some some pretty well identified tyranny. Yep, certainly, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I really do hope uh, that they will be lifted and and we can see, and that we'll just let let freedom of speech prevail. It's amazing the number of wonderful, well qualified doctors that have been canceled just because they had a different opinion or a different observations about what happened with their patients. They tried to treat with COVID. Yeah, I'll try to put up in the resources. There's a wonderful conversation with Charlie Kirk and and three or four doctors uh, talking about how you know that they they you know the, their their research is just so much uh, different from what's happened, and that those opinions should be allowed to to come out. And uh, and they were just shut down uh, just because of the need for for that control. And I know people maybe may not like hearing the word tyranny but I think that's another thing that that really needs to come up more in our our discussions about what tyranny really is what it looks like and why it's important for us to resist it so so that's a really good segue to my lightning round thing <laughs> speaking of tyranny <laughs> yeah. our neighbors to the north up in canada the uh the the trucker convoy uh and its result and it's it's just amazing looking at the uh, the grassroots support that it had, how positive it was—it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, of what the, the the Tea Party movement essentially was. Just a wonderful movement of, by and large, just honest American citizens. You could say that about, but in general, the Trump rallies too—that uh, that, that mostly just wonderful people trying to get together to exercise their freedom. And be able to protest these things that they didn't feel were right, and that, thats our—that is our right in in our republic under our constitution. Uh, I think we can really appreciate the protections we have as Americans because because Canada does not have the robust protections we do now. What they're doing with the trucker protest, instead of listening, uh, and if you listen to Justin Trudeau, uh, you know how who who bravely left town when he knew that the truckers were coming in. Uh, and from his undisclosed bunker location, someplace, <laughs> is, <laughs> issued these decrees, uh, and just his his sneering, disrespectful, uh, 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 dismissive words of these people that were sincerely trying to get their point across, you know, and saying, "Oh, I've I, I've attended protests in the past of things I agreed with." Well, how how stupid is that? Because you know, and anybody can go to something you agree with, but as a leader, part of your job is to listen to uh, people that are are expressing their sincere opinions and do your best to diffuse that and do everything you can to to listen to them and to try to address those grievances and not uh, not just throw it in their face. And for for those of us that love freedom, we don't like that, and I and I don't blame them for not liking it. Now, I I can understand, I mean, blocking the traffic across that bridge and stuff like that, uh, that, that, you know, I'm I'm glad that that bridge is back open and stuff, but in terms of the trucks in Ottawa, the the right to peacefully protest, I mean, them going and taking away their fuel and, uh, you know, threatening to freeze their bank accounts, and now Canada has uh, issued this emergency order for this relatively minuscule thing, Uh, that should really concern all freedom-loving people all around the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, it concerns me for sure. Um, and this, I mean, th- th- this can happen anywhere. It's not, it's not just Canada. This can certainly happen here in the United States too. Um, and I, I certainly admire the, uh, uh, what the truckers are doing and, um, it just has to have you question the leadership there, as you said. And, um, you know, we're just going to have to see what happens. But, um, I mean, I, I feel like as as Americans, you know, um, we should try to be supporting them in any way we can. And I, I think we've seen that a lot on social media. A lot of my friends and, and people I respect have, have put their, respo- their support out there for that. But not only support, but, you know, we, the condemnation of the Canadian government, and what they've been doing, and the, the uh, unforeseen, or the powers that the Uh, prime minister has is just uh insane, so I don't know. I it's disappointing to see, and uh, we'll just have to kind of wait and see what happens, but I don't know, yeah.
1: Well, it's and you know, it's 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 right out of the Marxist playbook. You can reward the people that you want to reward, and you you punish the people, they're not your fellow citizens, they're they're your enemies, they're they're domestic terrorists. When these are salt of the earth people, and I, I love hearing immigrants that are. Canadian truckers—they're some of the first ones because they see what being repeated, what they thought they were escaping from Eastern Europe. Yeah. And uh, I think it's really good for them to, to 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 speak up, and I think it's our all of our responsibility to do that. I'm, I'm trying to bored, encourage yeah. uh, Denver to do a little uh, work. I got to visit him up at uh, at his school and go to a couple classes. And one of his professors did a great pra- uh, lecture about uh, Marxism and socialism and some of the dangers of that and and the practical things. And so maybe we can give our your audience a little thumbnail of that. But
0: yeah, uh, so that that's a possibility. We'll see.
1: Yep. Well, before this turns into something uh, longer than a lightning round, we should probably uh, take our break and and go back to part one of our uh, Black History Month presentation. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be able to discuss some of those things, and it's already been also just very helpful to me to be able to know kind of how some people are thinking. So, what well, we're going to delve into maybe another question here, and uh, Hal's going to get his opportunity to maybe ask me a couple questions or make some comments on his own a little bit later on. But, um, but Hal, I just uh, you know I appreciated what you said about uh, just being des- described as as, as uh, being being black. And, and I understand that. And, but I guess we can maybe look around and, and say that maybe the most political, politically correct, term going on out there is African-American. Mm-hmm. And so I know that, uh, that's, that's around and I try to use that. And I guess for myself, I've, mm-hmm. I've maybe tried to mix black and African-American just, you know, just because I feel that that may, may be reflective of a lot of different opinions, but I guess Hal, I'm wondering for somebody that you, you, you said you grew up in, in LA and went to yes. LA unified schools. Okay. So I'm just wondering for you and that, you know, in, in that term, African-American, what 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 does that, the African part of that, what does that mean to you personally? And and so I'm just uh, wondering as I kind of process that for myself and, you know, my roots come from Denmark. And so I'm just kind of wondering, like for you, what does what that whole African part of that, that mean to you?
2: Okay. It's interesting that you ask that question because it kind of, I wouldn't call it morphed, but it became what it is African-American. But the term started, I think, is Afro-American as I remember as a child in the 60s, moving okay. to the 70s. And the Afro-American had to do with, okay, abbreviated version of Africa, Afro, but it kind of depicted a culture, a dress, a flag, g- kind of a language, kind of, kind, of, kind of gave a grouping to that, the Afro-American um, calling or whatever they called it in, in the 60s, now called the African-American. And it was somehow just a connection to a place, you know. As you mentioned, you're from Danish descent. Well, there's a country to denote you to where you come from, the same as a Romanian or person from anywhere else in the world, from Indonesia. There, there's nothing that really connects with black. Black is just kind of like an empty thing. It's like it's a shade by description, the same as white. But there's no place that connects you to a, the culture as everyone else. That's what you think about, being called black and being a black American. So how do I separate the African and what do I do as far as separating the African from American? First of all, I'm an American. Well, first of all, I'm a child of God. Then I'm an American yeah. born person. Uh, the yeah. African component is just, I think that ability or that attempt to kind of connect the two together, that there's some kind of descent that you came from. There's a homeland or a place that identifies where you know, your grouping may have started, where your people may have come from. So I, I do connect to it in that way. All of my uh, uh, experience been with, with folks from Africa, from various countries. I had a sister that did mission work there for about six years um, and I met a lot of folks. I have a daughter now that's dating a guy that's from one of the African countries. There is an instant connecting with the, the folks from Africa, even though I'm here from America. Very different, very, uh, very, I guess, very different cultures than theirs. But nonetheless, um, there's just an instant connection with them. So I do feel a uh, thing to Africa. There's a connection with the people there. But me personally, I can't really directly connect the, the lineage of mine, where we come from, from Africa. So Okay. I don't separate yeah. the two necessarily.
1: <laughs> okay, that's helpful. I mean and and it just really something I grapple with just to, you know and and I'm 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 a proud, I mean a patriotic am, uh, American and I you know I'm glad to be that way and I'm glad to designate myself that way. And I guess, you know, I I've heard people that are very credible in my mind and mm-hmm. that uh and I think there's there's quite a bit to be said that that you know, if, if we start hyphenating too much, yes, uh, then that really. Really diminishes what is so special about America Very and about true. you know being founded on a set of ideas and not an ideology or a you know a, a racial uh, component or anything like that. So, I, I mean that. that whole hyphenated business. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I that that would be worth a whole episode at some point. But <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you know the whole identity politics and things like that. I and I'm really chewing personally how. You know whether you know Christians or non-Christians or whatever the differences are that that as Americans we should really be able to rally around our unity and our freedom as Americans, and that uh, to kind of you know maybe minimize the hyphens a little bit, but I don't want to make too much out of that. But well, uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that as far as the hyphens, kind of kind of extreme how
2: that goes with the hyphenated. The yeah. Americans the thing that should be highlighted that's what thing that bonds us and kind of makes us all the same in that we're we're all Americans.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, just another thing I've been kind of wondering just from your personal experience, kind of what's been your, your, your experience in terms of with racism in terms of, for, do you personally on your time in law enforcement, uh, with your family or reports from your kids or anything like that? Can you kind of just give a little bit of a, a personal sketch of that?
2: Yeah. Without getting any kind of specific incident or, 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 particulars of, of a person or place or anything like that but I have yeah. experienced that throughout my life growing up in LA and my parents too I watched as they experienced it I was very aware of the movements that happened the civil rights before that even or during that time period the watch right so I kind of watched and model my parents thing about uh, about that uh, and about how you kind of work with racism or how you work against it whichever you choose to do with it but some of my experiences stem as early as probably uh, maybe high school. I left the area that was my boundary zone for high school and went to another area. And there was mm-hmm. a different exposure out there on the far west end of L.A. versus my inner city where I lived in southwest L.A. on the Inglewood board. Things were different, kind of treated a little different. And even by law enforcement, it was treated a little different, I I thought, in my opinion, then I thought that was going on. Um, but there's mm-hmm. been this numerous occasions to, to speak of on that. I can speak of one with, with my wife, Peggy, who I met in, in college. And um, my goodness, my songbird, Peggy, she experienced that with housing, and she grew up in Fullerton, born and raised, not born and raised, raised in L.A., but grew there, and she experienced racism as it came time to look for housing, as the same experience I had three years prior to her when I came to Fullerton looking for housing for college.
1: So okay. We
2: had, we've had some personal experience with that where you've been denied because of that, and it's not overt, but it's definitely there. You, you know what's going on, why you've been denied. When you drive 45 miles to, to get a place to rent, and you get there, and they tell you, no, it's rented, it. and the person... Uh, that you spoke to said no, that place available. You tell me you'll be there, and then you arrive. It's it's been rented out. That same experience Peggy had also in uh, yeah in Fullerton. Okay, I don't
1: think it's widespread. It's not. It's not limited to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and and that's meaningful to hear. You know the you know pe- people stories, and that that really does stick with you. And yeah. just as you know, we all uh, you know l- l- lament that kind of a thing, and and seek to to make, to make it better. You know, it's, yeah. uh, am it's, it's, it's sad to hear of that, uh, that kind of stuff. Can you comment at all on, on just, uh, did, did your experience as a law enforcement officer, um, what did that, uh, did that con- how did that contribute to the whole, uh, your experience of racism, both from your fellow, uh, officers and from the public that you serve?
2: Um, the officers, I think maybe because of the personnel I have, kind of the exposure my parents gave me, and then some of the gifting that God me have put, put up on me, it's very easy to relate and connect with people, even in this awkward situation and things like that going on. So as far as the within the ranks, the officers, just very warm received, very well received by pretty much everyone. And okay. it helps when you're a training officer for about 11 years in the field, everybody kind of knows who you are and respect what you can do as far as training. But I, I've had experiences in the field where a person refused me to serve them because I was a black officer. Uh, and then mm. the transmission on the air goes like this. Uh, Sorry, can you go to another channel? And I speak to my sergeant. They refuse for me to help them. Well, what's the reason? They, they want a white officer out here. Okay, well, you tell them you're the other man's going to serve them today or we can't serve them. You know, so I've had that kind of experience before. But then I've had it on the other side, too, from blacks as well. That that kind of tension and kind of resistance about who I am, the kind of job I'm doing, which may lead into another question you might have regarding yeah. that.
1: Well, that's a really good segue into our next segment. So we'll uh, take a little break and we'll come back and look at that. (laughs) Perfect. You're getting this down. That's great. It's time to wrap up uh, this and what it's, it's ended up being part one of a, uh, of of a two part series about the, uh, the black history month and our conversation with Hal Webb. And, and that just was a really enjoyable thing. And it it makes me want to get together and and talk more. And I, and I hope that, uh, that this might be a good example for all of us to just to try to break the ice and, and figure out where people are coming from and, and be respectful and, and be grateful Americans together and see where we can go. And, uh, uh, some of those resources that he's going to mention in part two, we'll uh, make sure we we put up and and uh, and and make available to see what they're like. But as we uh, as we close out today, just we've talked about our freedom as Americans and the misuse of that freedom, and kind of what Marxism is all about, and uh, and just how we we can even partner together with freedom loving people. Uh, even though we don't agree with them on everything I- including the Christian gospel even though to us that's the most important thing right now like these doctors that are 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 speaking out against the tyranny and uh, Charlie Kirk also interviewed a radical feminist that was talking about the uh, how uh, transgenderism so undermines everything that that she's been working for um, and so uh, this is a quote by uh, another, uh, kind of, kind of conservative icon, but uh, Ayn Rind, uh, who is, I'm, I'm sure, when you look at her philosophy and history, there's a lot that we, as as Christian believers, would not agree with about her approach. But I think she had her finger on the pulse of some things about uh, about tyranny. So uh, this is about uh, kind of some some uh, evidences that your society may be heading towards a doom. So here's an Ayn, Ayn Rind uh, quote. When you see that in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing. When you see that money is flowing to those who deal not in goods, but in favors, that your laws don't protect you against them, but protect them against you. When you see corruption being rewarded and honesty becoming sacrificed, you may know that your society is doomed." And so uh, we'll put that quote in the in the notes. And that's very interesting to chew on. And uh, if, if you haven't read George Orwell's 1984, it's on my list to read again. Uh, one of the things those doctors pointed out is that we need to make uh, Orwell uh, fiction again. Because it's uh, looking too much like reality these days.
0: Well, that, that quote is a little eerie. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess it's uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but anyways... Um, we thank you all so much for listening. And we just want to put a couple of reminders out there um, that we've, we've gotten some feedback from a few people and we've really, really appreciated that. Um, and so we'd love to continue to hear from you. Um, we have a couple ways of communication through email, uh, which uh, our email is goodfight 71 at gmail.com. Uh, you could even message us on our Facebook page. Uh, our page is just good fight. Um, and it's got our, uh, our our two faces on there, so you should be able to uh, find us that way. Um, and and as Brian said, we'll put the resources up with this uh, podcast, so you can kind of uh, follow along there. Um, but um, as, as Brian mentioned er, the in the early parts of this, um, I, I really do hope this encourages everybody to. Uh, maybe get out of their comfort zone a little bit and have conversations that you think are difficult but really aren't in essence um, when you share so much in common with uh, your fellow Americans, your fellow believers. And um, so it's certainly um, cool to see and I I hope this was a good example for that. So uh, keep uh, the lookout for uh, part two next week of this discussion and we will look forward to... um, to talking to you guys then, keep up the good fight and God
1: bless. Yep. The cost of freedom is eternal vigilance and that's uh, got to be fought for. So uh, we'll keep up the good fight. Thanks everybody.